0: He's been putting in work for so long. Putting a lot of work. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 125 of the interview podcast on the 8 Bit Collective. We are powered by Audio Technica, and I'm your host, John O'Peck, here to talk to you about a jolly good old chap in England. His name is Mark Freeman, and he's someone I had the pleasure of meeting over in San Francisco at Kind of Funny Life 3 back in 2017 and a great supporter of putting in work. It's been a couple years of uh, back and forth with a very long gap in the middle, but I finally brought him on the podcast to talk about overcoming his disabilities to work in a professional setting. This is really an amazing story of perseverance and overcoming some pretty big hurdles early in his childhood. Mark was uh, diagnosed with brain damage, which led to some pretty severe ADHD, as well as dyslexia and some other nasty things. But through the miracles of Ritalin and some good parenting and guidance from some medical professionals, he was able to discover that he actually had quite a high intelligence and he was a very capable young man who founded his first uh, business at 16 and is now a programmer, coder, designer, photographer. He's done a whole lot of cool stuff and As you'll hear when he tells his story has always been able to kind of push the boundaries of his comfort zone into finding more areas to work in to find more ways to deliver a website product and expand from just kind of the coding side of it to the creative side of it which is kind of two areas that don't always go well together but he's found a way to do it and he's done it really well and all this stuff is quite amazing when you look at the context of where he was as a child being expelled from school and I don't want to give too much away we're going to get into this and Mark really kind of just went off and told me everything I didn't have to ask too many questions it was obviously something that he's thought a lot about over the years so it was great to kind of be the platform for him to put it out there and kind of tell his story share his experience really just let people know what can happen with the right guidance and the right medical treatment so I won't talk for any longer I'll let Mark tell the story himself so here he is it's Mark Freeman Enjoy the show. Not Martin Freeman, good to see you. <laughs> good to
1: see you too. It's been a while since yeah, uh, KFL3. It has,
0: yes, it's just over two years now, so it's uh, it's very lovely to hear that, uh, I guess it's a Kent accent, yeah. is it? English, yeah, yeah. kind of. English accent, yeah. I think you are my second British guest after Tom Hawkins way back in like episode six or seven Uh, or something, so good company. The legend. So he's doing good things, and uh, we're here to talk about, uh, I guess, you and and your life and things that you've been through to get to this point. Uh, It's not, I guess, so much of a look at your career in in and of itself kind of story, but I guess the uh, things that you've overcome to get where you are. So we might start off. By just letting us know what you do as a thirty-something man in in London area.
1: Yes, so I am a lead digital developer for a very large insurance company, uh, managing the website estates about eighty websites etc. Um, various varying from all sorts of different types and information sites to full quote and bind to hmm. portal data portals and all sorts of different things. So. It's it's not your most interesting job, but <laughs> if you had uh, told someone uh, 30 years ago that I'd be five years away from paying off my mortgage and working in a professional yeah. job in London, they would have uh, laughed you out of the room. At that point, I would you know they would have thought I was probably be dead or in prison.
0: Wow. Okay, that's interesting. And that's <laughs> when I was five. That okay. would have been the uh... <laughs>
1: Wow they they wrote you off that early, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, at five and ten months, I was expelled from school, and um, yeah, I didn't go back until seven and ten months, but probably right. best to start a little bit earlier, uh, around when I was two. Right, let's hear it. I uh, When I was two, I contracted measles and uh, got very, very ill. Please, please uh, <laughs> vaccinate your children, people. I echo those sentiments. It'll, So it effectively, um, I got so hot, it boiled parts of my brain. So I have severe brain damage, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, um, some short term memory issues Mm. and a load of other stuff that kind of haven't diagnosed, but kind of a real trifecta for young education because my coordination, um, is very poor. Obviously, the dyslexia as well doesn't help with the writing, and then obviously trying to do anything, I would always just get frustrated because I couldn't put right. my thoughts into the on the page, etc. Everyone thought I was stupid because I couldn't write anything or do anything. They put me on all sorts of different meds. There was one that made mess with my perception so much. I was on the monkey bars and I reached, for, I saw a monkey bar, reached for it, it wasn't there, and went straight down and broke my arm. <laughs> oh, um, no. Yeah, various tranquilizers and stuff like that um what well, was all this linked back to the measles yeah in and of itself yeah yeah caused all of these conditions basically wow. i was fine beforehand there was a lovely very slept through the night very early on so oh yes on that point uh congratulations Jonna <laughs> and hannah thank you i'm expecting yeah yes. don't expect them to sleep through the night <laughs> 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 so, so get no. yourself prepared they will be vaccinated though yeah yeah, get yourself prepared um, for some fun there. But yes, yes so I was... And again, I was a monster. But ADHD is a nasty, nasty thing. It mm. Basically, what it does is it convinces you doing the thing that will get you the most attention, generally negative, is exactly the right thing to do in that moment. And then you do it. But afterwards, you know it's wrong and you should never have done that. So then it racks you with guilt and all the rest of it. It is... Right you know it, you just aren't in control of your kind of actions and things right and-,
0: and throw that together with like the dyslexia and other things that make reading hard like you have it you've got a cocktail a molotov cocktail in the classroom yeah, i
1: mean, like my writing so messy because my coordination's bad so no one yeah. could read it it's misspelt so everyone just yeah. wrote it off even and though, if you're not you know,
0: enjoying class because you can't understand what's happening, then you're going to muck around even more. Yeah, and then I get
1: frustrated and then muck around <laughs> even more and it cycles. And um, yeah, and then teachers, you know, get angry at you and all the rest of it. I must admit, the um, I think the absolute best depiction of ADHD and students in school is uh, probably a series that you wouldn't expect, but Summer Heights High. Time. Right. Great show. Yeah. That Jono character and the way the two different teachers, you know, the one in the special mm. education one treats him and tailors things to him and then he can engage and do it. And then the normal classroom one that just blames him for everything. Okay, you're doing 80% of it, but, you're, you know, you're guilty of 100% of everything that goes wrong here mm. in the classroom. And I certainly had a lot of that even after. So... So, yeah, that was my early years. At five and ten months, I was kicked out of uh, school and no other school would take me, private, uh, Church of England schools, like schools, literally tech, one of the schools I was talking to my mum last night turned around and said, if you move into the area where you'll be eligible for a place, what we'll do is we'll move down kids, from you know, multiple kids from the year above so that the class is full and you Jeez. can't join. So not only, like, buggering me over, but buggering over a load of other kids as well, yeah. you know, it, it was like i mean yeah i attach teachers with scissors and oh, like that. you know i mean <laughs> i am not saying that i wasn't you know but you could um but for two years i worked uh, i had a private tutor right, right okay um mrs page uh, and again she was really really instrumental and helped me learn things and was really great things like knitting and things like that it's, it's um a lot of things actually is really good like video games and things like knitting and things because you're using all of your senses to do something it actually actively fully engages your mind so mm. it doesn't start wandering because you're using your hands you, you know you're using your eye you know you're doing all these multiple different things yeah cool but and she was fantastic and worked with me and my mom said you know charged half of what she would normally you know and i was basically full-time with her um but then my pet and again, I really much shout out my parents. My parents did a hell of a lot for me and fought and, uh, you know, thankfully were reasonably well off. Um, dad was a police officer. My mum was a police officer as well, mm. but retired after she had my brother or was forced out after she had my brother. <laughs> she, whilst she was pregnant, she jumped in front of a Flash's car to stop him driving off to arrest him. <laughs> Jeez. And, uh, we're talking 80s here, you know, yeah. so... Um, yeah,
0: that was. They didn't go
1: down well. Okay.
0: So when did it start to get under control for you then? Like, when did the there must have been a turnaround point at some the stage? The turnaround
1: point was that my parents managed to get me into the medical trials in the UK for Ritalin. Right. So makes sense. Um, I was in the first hundred people in the UK to be taking Ritalin, and actually um a major part of the uh, medical case study for the approval of use of Ritalin in the UK. Hmm. I, again, uh, I then also had, you know, by this point, I also had brain scans as well from the Great Ormond Street Hospital so they could actively look at my brain and go, these areas are damaged and see, you know. So that's obviously certainly in the early days, a lot of the problems with Ritalin and ADHD meds and stuff was, the complete after misdiagnosis of people and just thinking everyone's got ADHD and just stick them on this. Mm. And you know this uh, Ritalin. I'm not sure if you're quite aware of it. Is effectively speed. Yeah. It is a methamphetamine, which seems like completely the wrong thing to give to um, hyperactive children. <laughs> but what it does is it rewires the uh, it rewires the brain that so the so much your brain doesn't do anything Mm. so basically rewires your brain to use the unused brain cells to do the jobs of in my case the dead ones or not functioning in you know typical adhd cases sure um brain cells and it helps everything for me so it helps my coordination my dyslexia all of that lot Mm. so so, slight tangent here
0: how how old are you mark 34 35 35. yeah right so you're just a few years older than me and i was going to say i remember when i was in uh, primary school, so we're talking like eight, nine, ten, that kind of age level. It felt like half of the kids in my class were on Ritalin for just ADD. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know if it was a period where they overprescribed in reaction to maybe the success yeah. of trials like the one you were in. Do you have any recollection of other kids being on Ritalin and and that kind of thing?
1: Well, I mean, in the obviously, I went. To, so uh, professor taylor was the person running it so uh out of the morty hospital so i went for regular checkups there and was in the waiting rooms with them and stuff but yeah no i was aware and a lot of people got a quite a stigma and i mean they just got a new pharmacist down at the pharmacy and obviously i am actually now my dose actually exceeds the recommended dosage because i've been on so long and you know i've been on it longer than anyone else mm. in the country pretty much <laughs> um yeah you know, i built up a tolerance to it so my doses has gone up over time and she was like oh does it help you know and was like really kind of like he still thought it was kind of bullshit kind of thing <laughs> that was the pharmacist and i was like no 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 this absolutely 100% does it i was in the medical trial you know it makes a massive difference and you know i can tell and you can certainly tell if i haven't taken my tablets right. you know um it will be very different. I'll become very animated. You know, stay daft things. You know, um, like you're drunk. Yes, so yeah, which I've seen. So <laughs> yes, yes, but also that uh, that was so. I mean, that's a good point. You know, when we first met in the, uh, the wing wins and then the <laughs> wine bar. In um, I'd been up for I think 36 hours, thirty six hours and thirty hours of solid drinking. By that point, I'd been through two doses of my meds. Right. that was a tailing because obviously the major problem with it is it is amphetamine based Mm. so you have to come off it at some point in order to then be able to get to sleep in like four hours time so you have to you know and otherwise you just you just lay in bed and your mind is just Mm. fully alert okay nasty so yeah it does does mess with your sleep so yes whilst i was also drunk (laughs) i was that's often the good thing that at those stages, if you're out drinking, people just assume that you're drunk as opposed <laughs> to necessarily it's the, the ADHD or whatever. It's kind That's of, good uh, to know. <laughs> master in social situations. And, I mean, normally I will, you know, medicate with like that. Obviously was one where it was uh, 36 hours away <laughs> to get over there.
0: Sure. <clears throat> so as you're going through high school, and I guess it's becoming closer to the point of
1: career opportunities. Yeah, once I got onto the meds, then – after I managed then to get back into primary school, and they used to take me in there and I had to go down to the nurse's office and have my tablets in a jelly bakery and <laughs> <laughs> go and take them at regular intervals and things like that. Fortunately, well, now I'm on um there's a something called Concerta so it's slow release. So at that time, though, I was having to take it like four or five or six times a day at different intervals, and obviously, if I miss the dose, then I would start acting out or whatever. And this time now I've just got the ones that I just take in the morning and then the wrestling that I take of an evening to top me up or whatever, if I'm going out or doing something or whatever. So, um, but yeah, no, so I managed to get into school, but obviously still there was everyone, you know, it wasn't a particularly large town. No one wanted me in their class. Everyone, you know, had heard the horror stories and the stigma really did follow mm. me all the way through primary school, you know, um, this at is which his point kid. I yeah you know uh and obviously I still wasn't i missed a lot of school as well so you know whilst I am um, you know I scored a hundred on my um maths 11 plus hmm. which is like the grammar school test uh uh and did quite well on the English one as well you know like real top center stuff but I still don't know my timetables because I wasn't in school Hmm. or wasn't, you know, of things that I don't know the alphabet, I I struggled with the alphabet. Right. Just because, you know, as a kid, you get those things drilled into you and I wasn't necessarily there or a receptive thing to have those things drilled in and learn like so many kids. So there's still plenty of things. And I then went to the local grammar school and um, that was when I started and then I started using a laptop to type out my do all of my work on in very early days some amstrad with a green screen and all the rest <laughs> of it um and again that kind of uh i at that grammar at harvey grammar school in folks i got heavily bullied uh because of it and again anything goes wrong i was you know number of times i got detention for being bullied and then just re, you know like yeah, there were several instances where you know physical harm and stuff like that was done to me and things like that, and I it still ended up getting in trouble. The teachers were awful, and uh, that ended when a kid put a chair leg in my eye, oh. and the school didn't even t- send me to the hospital or anything. They just put Jeez. me back in lessons. Uh, and when my parents found out, they were absolutely thoroughly upset, and uh, we looked for. It was right towards the end of term, thank- the end of the year, thankfully. And then we looked for other schools and we found um, a school called uh, in Cranbrook in Kent, which is where I now live, which is a state boarding grammar school. Right. So it has borders, but it's not a private school with tuition, etc. So it was a um, very interesting school. You have a lot of expat kids, people, you know. So we had a, you know, for a very small Kentish town, we had a extremely diverse um, group of, you know, races and religions mm. and everything, you know, it was a real melting pot of school, which was, which was fantastic. And they had a very good special needs program there um, and some great teachers like um, Professor uh, Professor Sights as well, who was like my house tutor, you know, who really fought for me, you know, and helped me and made sure that I had all of the tools that I needed to get through and, I I did um, extremely well at GCSE and A-level and got into one of the best um, universities in the country, Warwick, for computer science. Hmm. So, you know, I mean, many years ago, the fact of university... uh, I I was speaking to my mum last night and she was like, Well, dad was working out that he could retire after 25 years. So basically when I was 16 and could open a bike shop and like try and give me some employment that way, that was their plan, you know, just to do something with me, you know, and have me kind of employed and Mm. basically just prop me up kind of thing. And, um, but no, yeah, thankfully, you know, the, the medication really made a difference in my case, as, as we say was heavily oversubscribed and you know people weren't properly diagnosed and all Mm. the rest of it it just was just considered you know kind of became that fix or just give the you know kids acting up for whatever reasons because the parents completely ignore him oh well you know these drugs will help well no they won't because (laughs) it's it's not adhd it's that you know whatever other problems or you know situation or whatever problems and things like that but but for me it does make such a huge difference and still does to this day but again i wouldn't say obviously there's not i still don't have flare-ups and issues and things like that and Mm. still do things out you know in particular late at night and things like that where you know i can get very frustrated and things but i've learned i've built a tool set where i can now Notice, like i basically the really minute my I'm doing a lot of hand movements and things like that. I I can spot the signs of where my meds are wearing off or sure. whatever. It's kind of like a, a, a health bar or whatever in a computer a shield bar in a computer game or whatever. If they do end up with a lot of stress, it will just use up the dosage in right. the body, and then you have to take some more and things like that. So it's interesting. Unfortunately, university wasn't a particularly great time because it was up in Coventry where my, my family are actually from, and my mum's actually from. And uh, this was during the point where my auntie that I was very close to contracted cancer and slowly died. Right. And that really messed up. And then when I went back for my retakes, I was meant to be staying with my grandmother and we found her dead on the floor on arrival. So yeah, that kind of messed up and you know, it wasn't wasn't fantastic and uh, you know, but I came back and I looked around at what I wanted to do, which was so when I was sixteen I actually founded my first company and started designing websites and building websites and maintaining a website for an estate agent. That was our bread and butter. So uploading the properties every week and stuff like this. This is before CMSs existed, you yeah, know. that would be have to be the early days of the internet. We're as talking well. Dreamweaver and Flash, yeah. We're yeah. talking yeah, Pure HTML and stuff like that, yeah. So I was I was lucky to be uh, involved from a very early age on that. And whilst you know the, I've been talking about the negatives of the ADHD and things, it is also can give you a hell of a lot of focus and things like that, and especially on something that you can you know you're interested in. I'm just natural with computers and code. Mm and can just sit there and write code and you know do things. It's just something I just taught myself and learned, and it's just something I've always found very easy to pick up new things and skills around computers and particularly you know, what was the macromedia stuff, which is now all in uh, Adobe, is now the Adobe suite, et cetera. So, yeah, I started doing that. And I, at the time, I was really into flash websites uh, and things like that. I looked around at all of the jobs that I wanted to do, and pretty much everything said two years' worth experience. And then mm, yeah. <laughs> some of them said degrees. It was like, why am I now going to spend the next two years getting this degree, which is only going to get me, you know, the... Um, Half the job. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I won't then have any experience. You know, I won't have the work experience. Why not just find a job and get the experience? So I... Um, a job with an entrepreneur who owned many different businesses very interesting things from koi farms to properties in portugal you know the um pubs and all sorts of things so basically doing his web estate for him was uh, very interesting you know and very varied i set up like the point of sale system in the koi shop and things like this and and did all sorts of things went down the pubs did all the photography of them and then um You know, built the websites for them, et cetera, and built templates so I could bang out websites very quickly and easily. But obviously, for him, it was, well, it wasn't necessarily a full, you know, full amount, full time amount of work. It made a hell of a lot of sense for him to pay me as opposed to contracting out each individual Mm. bit because it would have cost way more than my wages. So, So is this while you were at university or after? No, this was after. So, I I left university. I got that job in the summer and went yeah sod university i'm yeah. just gonna get the experience and um and, and, and work too obviously so yeah and uh so that led to uh well it wasn't particularly fulfilling the sites that i was doing weren't all that great i was looking to try and build my portfolio so that led on to a another little hobby of mine uh which uh yeah the photography hmm. because i because again as i say he needed me to do all of this stuff it was way cheaper for him to just Employ me, uh, then. But it wasn't really, you know. I had loads of free time at work, you know. I needed to be able to do what he needed whenever he wanted, but it did mean so I was looking around trying to do uh, find, you know, people to do uh, portfolios uh, to do nice, you know, build my portfolio of sites mm. with something, you know, that looks a bit cooler than koi fish or whatever, you know, sure. or some pub down the road kind of thing. I started off trying to do like uh, some indie bands that I knew and, you know, unsigned kind of things. It was like, great, you know, um, you know, they'll have pictures and things and, you know, we can really have sounds and all the rest that, you know, you can build a decent website. But the problem was that was designed by committee and nothing ever happened. So I went on to Yahoo Answers Mm. again. This is really dating when this was for people looking for um, websites uh, and I found models, you know, and a load of models that, you know, have their own portfolio websites. And I was like, brilliant, like 99% of uh, the stuff at the time was, you know, a good photo would make a website. Mm. So I was like, brilliant, they're going to have good photos or whatever. So I built a template one uh, and I built many many sites i got it down to an art where i could actually turn them around in about five minutes i like built like automatic processing resizing of the images that they sent yeah. me that then just renamed them all and the gallery just picked them up and it was like various different templates swap out the images bash done you know dropping the text that they provided um
0: it sounds like you've been really driven to just do as much as you can, like, yeah, um, a, a pretty wide variety of, of things from the yeah. the web's like the web stuff through to the more creative side of it as well. Yeah. So, do you do you feel like the ADD or that sorry the ADHD is a part of kind of wanting to do a lot and being driven to kind of propel
1: yourself forward? Yeah, I would. I mean, it, but it also does give me a very visually led mind, so that really mm, helps okay. with a lot of the creative elements. You know, I can see things before, you know, and then see how to make them on computers. When it comes mm. to putting them onto a, you know, drawing them on a bit of paper, that's when things <laughs> fall apart. And, you know, but with a mouse and keyboard, I can, yeah, I can do many things. And basically from that, one of my friends became homeless and was uh, living on, you know, in my old mattress in my room at the time. And was like, oh, well, you know, oh, I wouldn't mind being a model. 6. You know, it's like, okay, whatever. So I borrowed my parents uh, holiday Digital camera, and she was a goth. Went around to the local churchyard and did a <laughs> load of things, and pulled them into MacroMedia and like messed with them and did stuff. And I showed them around to like the models of that genre that I built websites for, and they were all like, "Oh, this is really good." So I started doing it. Uh, I did a few shoots with that, and then I bought a, a prosumer a fixed lens camera, but you know, SLR type uh, camera, and um, ended up working with over a hundred different models over several years and um working at all sorts of different levels of photography as well Uh, all of it was time for print and so i no money exchange hands between either of us so they weren't charged and uh they didn't charge me and i didn't charge them but having built the websites i was able to tailor what i offered to be exactly what they needed I'd listen right. to all of the pain points that they've got like oh the photography you know I'm waiting for the photographer to give me the images you know he did a shoot three weeks ago I'm meant to be sending him he hasn't done send them oh he's he's editing the photos then he oh he's picked the photos that he wanted to he's done the edits on this one but I hate how I look in this photo yeah. I tell you what make the model happy <laughs> being a modeling photographer ladies have stuff that you wouldn't that they hate about themselves that you would never guess in a million years you know like they've always got they've all got something where it's like like oh okay fine well so uh you know they would edit the ones that they liked and then the photographers would and then obviously the models didn't like them so the way I did it was you come you shoot with me Uh, if you've got the time you stay with me afterwards and we edit photos together you shoot, you know I learned what you don't we had a load of them together. You go to all of the images and you delete any that you don't like, and they're just Sean, yeah. including whole sets. If you, you know, as I had many people, you know, playing with their levels, i.e., generally nudity or, or lack of clothes or whatever, okay. and yeah. things like that. And it was always like, I oh, will shoot what you want, you know, that was always the same thing. I had zero requirements about anything, you know, any levels or anything to come shoot with me. But a lot of girls, you know, I did a lot of people's first shoots and things like that. And they would do things and then go, actually, no, no, I don't want to do topless. So it was just like in the whole shoot or whatever. Right. So so they would go through it and I'd edit them and they'd leave with the disc, which was the main thing. And then I'd do further edits afterwards and send them through. But then I knew exactly their issues and what they wanted photoshopped out and what they didn't want photoshopped out and all of the rest of it. So,
0: so when you're doing so much of that, did it ever cross your mind to focus on that? as a career option or were you not interested in that as a, no. as a business
1: i mean i would but the problem is the monetization of it just doesn't sit right with me yeah. you know you either get really lucky and manage to get yourselves in with publications and become their photographers but that is like a long 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 shot of ridiculously you know and you mm. have to know the right people and all the rest of it and you didn't want to charge no, the models? I didn't. It's so it's yeah. preying on people's hopes and dreams is how I felt, you know. Right. And, you know, they're forking out all this money. And there's plenty of people that would do it like me, you know, time for print and all the rest of it, you could do it. So it, it just, it didn't sit right with me. I enjoyed it. It was fantastic. And I met some great friends I'm godfather to uh, one of the one of their uh, children now and you know lots of them yeah one of them come for Christmas for about six years and things like that um so yeah I made a lot of great friends about it and I learned all of my photoshop skills which obviously then goes back into the websites and things like that and I sometimes take the headshots at work and things like that so I learned a lot of skills and all the rest of it which then translate back into my work and then also then I'm kind of also a graphic designer as well as a coder, which is fairly rare in the web space. You kind of really go down the one track or the other. So the fact that I can literally and I did, you know, build sites from I designed the web, you know, I sat with a business, designed it, uh, you know, built all the assets you know coded it put it all together tested it all of that not oh, wow. you know without having to go and spend thousands of pounds on a design agency to design something which then you then have to you know take their assets and chop them all up and implement them so yeah no it it was really useful and it you know built a breadth of skills and as I say it was a fantastic experience, mm. you know, and, you know, I made a lot of very good friends out of it and, um, you know, helped some people as well, helped some people get started.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It's good to feel part of uh, something like that. And I guess doing it yeah. for, I guess, a motivation that's not purely financial
1: or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, there was, you know, I didn't really, I probably haven't focused on a lot of the, you know, like uh, Mrs. Page and Professor Taylor and Mr. Sykes, who really helped me as a kid, mm. you know. I appreciated that and I always like, if I've got the opportunity to get back to someone, I I really hmm. want to because, you know, they, I wouldn't be there if it wasn't for those people, you know, going out of their way and, you know, doing something that wasn't necessarily right. in their in It was ages. In she was like taking half as much as she normally would. Yeah. You know, she literally, you know, took a pay cut in order to help me, you know, because she... Was so intense by the fact that all the schools wouldn't take me. Or yeah, right. she was a retired teacher, you know, and was like, no, well, okay, fine, I'll, I'll solve this and get an mm-hmm. education, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I do always like to try and give back and you it's know great. help
0: people. So I guess uh the past thirty one or so minutes that we've been talking, the sense that I'm getting is that. You know, you had all these experiences as a childhood and you mentioned as a five-year-old people predicted that you'd be in prison or dead. But the the fact of the matter is you've done a lot with your life and you've been successful without yeah. wanting to brag too much. I can see that, you know, you've been successful and you've set your yeah. mind on a multitude of different tasks in different areas from management of, of different yeah.
1: things. But- I mean, I didn't expect to, I mean, even after yeah. I was on the tablets, I really didn't expect to live off past 29. I mean... Taking this amount of can't necessarily be healthy for you, <laughs> yeah. um, you know. Bad recent blood pressure, and there are a lot of things. Whilst the, you know, I say this, you know, I think there are a lot of things that I don't think I could do. You know, I don't think kids are in my future because you know, being woken up at six at yeah, six a.m. in the four a.m. six a.m. in the morning, I'm not going to be medicated. You know, um, I can, I wouldn't. I don't know if I could trust myself in those situations, you know, um, or being a, you know, things like Mm. that. So, yeah, and yeah, as I say, I was always like the rock and roll age to die to 29. It was always like things pretty much up until I got to 29 and then just carried on. And now, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward five years till I've got the house paid off and, you know, things like that. But That's really cool, though. It is still there and it is still restrictive of things like I can't drive late at night and things like right. that because of the time. But I mean, it
0: seems like you know what your limits are, which is great. And you know what you can overcome and, and what's not worth the risk. Like something like fatherhood or, you know, driving late at night. like You know it's not worth the yeah. risk to others, to yourself. But you know that you're not going to use it as an excuse yeah. not to do these things that you know that you can accomplish, which is pretty amazing, I think, for for what you've achieved
1: yeah, no, I must it's uh, yeah, if you if you showed those people back there that wrote me off, they would be absolutely shocked. So I think my parents, you know, <laughs> as I say, they never are very happy with how it's turned out they were expecting yeah. you have to retire early and try and put me up. But yeah, I just computers speak to me kind of thing and it's just managed to, as I say, making money off <laughs> them since I was sixteen. <laughs> the best bit was I was um exempt from the foreign languages, but obviously had to go to Class, so I sat at the front of my German lesson I think one lesson I made um, 48 right. quid <laughs> updating nice. the estate nice. agent's website sat in the German lesson <laughs> I had to attend the lesson but obviously I wasn't doing the lesson so I just sat there doing That's my great. website <laughs> probably the only person who got anything <laughs> out of uh, those lessons to be honest <laughs> the future wasn't fantastic where do you think you would be if it wasn't for the Ritalin at this point um, dead or in prison is the easy answer
0: I mean, yeah. Uh, so you um, agree with those those people that were, yeah. And
1: out of the the hunt, so my mum said, you know, we spoke to Professor Taylor years later, and he was like, "Oh, do you keep track of the kids?" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm keeping track of the original hundred. Um, it's very easy because a large portion of them are uh, serving at Her Majesty's pleasure, you know, in right. prison. So yeah, I mean, and my parents to be able to, you know, make sure I took the meds and worked through, and you know, mm. I was. Even with them, it took a long time from me now, you know, to especially when I was taking the dosages, you know, I'd miss dosages and then start acting out and things like that. So uh, until kind of the slow release came along, which kind of really helps, you know, because it covers that bulk of the day. So it wasn't as simple as just... They put you on
0: Ritalin. there was still a lot of involved in using it in the right way that yeah. obviously it didn't pan out for the other kids. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you have to, you know, you have to have people to make sure that you're taking it and all the rest of it and have the sports structure and all the rest of it and mm. be able to handle you when you're not on it and you're acting out. And as you know, I'm a fairly large person and I'm pretty much this height from about 12 or whatever, you know, so. Right. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I wasn't. I was very, very thin. <laughs> My mum used to have to right. force feed me bars, bars, and stuff because obviously it's, um, uh amphetamine or whatever, and it's appetite suppressant or whatever. Until I found beer, and that all just went out. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, no, I, you know, right. I was fairly low. You know, and yeah, if, you know, acting out violently and things like that. You. Have to know what you're doing and all the rest of it. I mean, obviously, mm. police officers, so that
0: helped. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like you were surrounded by the right people. Yeah, and I mean, direct. I could
1: probably yeah. handle it now because obviously I'm, I've i learned the tools and self aware enough, but as a 10 year old kid to know that you've missed your dose, you know, and to be able to spot this, it's no one who's easy as an adult, you know. Sure. um To so be able to do those things, so it wasn't, you know. But it, it, it was such a massive difference, and as I say, you yeah. know, did really well in the 11th It uh, Did really well at uh, GCSE, those A stars and A levels, AAB, I think it was. You know, um, like cool. maths and all the rest of it. Really, you know. So, and then yeah, so worked at the for the entrepreneur for a while. Then worked uh, for a small caravan insurance company uh, for five years, uh, building their quote and buy system. Uh, and the white labeling system around that so basically sending it out as different brands um, mm. but the same quote system and the same stuff behind it um, and then I moved over to um, Gallagher where I am now and um, we've moved up there in the digital space to the top and um, looking to build out a team this year uh, of developers under me and stuff so uh, exciting times Excellent. ahead you know and look at you now yeah, yeah. i mean it's there the <laughs> grace of the god go i you know it, a million different things didn't happen you know it, things would have probably turned out very very differently for me so yeah. I, you know and my parents being very dogged to try and find me the right thing you know the right solutions for me was mm. you know so many other people would have given up and, you know, they spent a hell of sure. a lot of time and effort driving me around to all sorts of different places and, uh, all the rest of it, But uh, you know, and going to these doctors and getting these meds that out completely <laughs> utterly send me completely crazy or whatever, but, you know, we have to find it, obviously things are a lot, a lot better these days and, you know, there's a lot of better hmm. and stuff like that. And, you know, brain scans are a lot more common and things like that. So, I mean, I yeah, literally, true. there was one for kids in the uk which was at great <laughs> ormond street hospital i went and got it and i remember i needed uh i was having the brain scan and i needed a piss a piss halfway through it there because to, it took 40 minutes back in those days to do oh, like wow. a brain scan you know what, is it like four <laughs> minutes now or whatever you know so i'm sat there a little there to get with a little tray <laughs> so it was you know so things are you know a lot a lot better now for people coming through this but they will mm. still need people to you know look out for them and be there and help them yeah and uh, you know there is a way through and you can lead a life so you know if that's, yeah, that's the great. one thing i can you know give to people with some hope that you know, that going through similar things i'll you know very happy to there is there is light at the end of the tunnel if you work for it
0: yeah so we'll get to that in a bit it's time to ask the questions that you might think you're pretty familiar to the show uh, if you've listened yeah. for a while but uh so what, what would you say has been the hardest part of of getting to where you are like what's been the hardest thing to overcome on this journey that you've been on through uh through whether it's all the bullying whether it's over, like
1: education or what stigma yeah so saying yeah. in the early years the stigma of okay. it that you just carried around i wasn't that person anymore i wasn't acting out that much yeah i was still was in but everything was always buff. I you know anything happened between me and someone else it was always my fault yeah. you know um reputation yeah. assumed you know yeah doesn't matter if they have put a chair in my it's my fault I should have got to schools like you should have got out of the way were the words that they said hmm. <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> so yeah no um and again you know I do you always have to you know be very upfront about it and I must admit my Work are fantastic about it all, and always like any of the additional doctor stuff that I have to go to, they're yeah, fine. So I'm going in a couple of weeks, and it's actually not that far from work. So I'm basically doing half a day, and then going off to the hospital, which is good. And again, that that's been very helpful. That I'm still under the the main the hospital for this thing in the UK, okay. so and still got you know psych psychiatric care or whatever, but you know with a professor and all the rest of it, and. Properly look after and make sure my meds. So I've had some issues with blood pressure. I had some issues with blood pressure, and you know, six months back or whatever, I made some life because sh- they got a bit. My doctor was then got a bit worried about prescribing me the dosage that I was getting because it is like mm. 19 milligrams of pure amphetamines each yeah. day. <laughs> it's, it's quite a lot, especially when you do. So I made some, uh, you know, lifestyle changes and got back into the exercising and stuff and. Okay. It down and got it back down to normal now and lost a load of weight and all the rest of it. I was like, yeah, I don't want to be going on blood medication and you yeah. know, heart meds and uh, you never get off those things, do you? And all the rest mm. of it. So yeah, I mean, there's been lots of hard things, but you know, and just being able to know your worth and all the rest of it after so many years of mm. people saying you're worthless and all the rest yeah, of it. Right. But I, I'm very pleased with. How I've managed to get through and out and on.
0: Mm, yeah, definitely. I can imagine a lot of people would struggle with that for a very long time, and they might never get to a good place. But it seems like you are. So it's yeah, credit to you, and credit to I guess I guess your parents as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, there were years, um, you know, where I was very depressed and suicidal mm. and things around it, and you know, uh, it was actually my 16th birthday, with this whole story of where I went to New York and everything went wrong. It's fantastic. I I, I came back out. It's literally a comedy movie. Everything that can go wrong mm. went wrong and just a complete nightmare. But I came back and I was reading Terry Pratchett at the time. Uh, the This World novels, have you read them by Terry Pratchett?
0: No, I haven't. No.
1: Uh, but basically like the first few, the gods are playing chess risk right. with the main character. Okay and like throwing things and it was like either god doesn't exist or he's a bastard and this is going on you could either curl up in a ball and cry about it or just laugh along Mm -hmm. and and that was kind of where i kind of lost my faith but also kept on and kept the 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 good parts of you know the moral teachings etc but chucked out the rest and i mean there was a lot of you know the church was less than good to me as well a lot of the people in the church the so the non-teetal people it's so my grandmother right. the front the people that were always out the front but never had a towel in the hand, never did the washing okay. off you know that were very very nasty and went out of their way to try and you know exclude me from anything and everything every party and all the rest of it so mm. not very christ-like is it <laughs> no exactly not christ-like in the slightest and all all the glory but never do any of the work and all the rest of it but yeah so that was kind of the real changing point in my in my life where it's like just learn to laugh along or it's gonna kill you kind of thing and you know and try and be the good that you want to see from others don't you know don't mean it help others and it'll come back to you and and it has you know um you know you know always try and go out of my way to help people and uh do things yep, I've seen that, first it, hand. Doing that <laughs> sunscreen at kind of funny lives or, <laughs> or whatever it is you know organizing things or you know even small things but you know it makes you a lot of friends and people you know now that uh, there for me when I'm having hard times yeah. and I'm there for them when they're having hard Absolutely. times.
0: So. so you touched on before, I guess, a message of, of some hope. So what, what is your advice to whether it's parents with kids who are going through behavioral issues, or maybe it's, I guess, grownups who <laughs> have battled with ADHD
1: all their life and they haven't been able to get to the point that you're at. Parents with kids don't accept the first yeah. diagnosis fight and try and find the right thing you know there are so many different things on the spectrums you know there are so many different things like adhd autism you know all the different spectrum stuff chances are the first meds you get put on are going to be wrong you know if they're just kind of working look for you know don't Mm -hmm. settle kind of try and find experts within the field and 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 fight for your kids and fight for them to find the right thing there are there are so many things out there that you know proper, be it behavioral support or, or special schools or things like that so I went to a special dyslexic school for a couple of terms which really gave me a lot of tools around the dyslexia to overcome the you know get around the dyslexia and rework myself that mm. way you know that was very helpful it can be behavioral you know um, psychological you know therapy or medical you know there are lots of different ways depending on what it is and trying you know try and get that diagnosis right you know try and get get someone to get that diagnosis right because it will help the person going forwards as new things come out and new meds come out and new things come out that you know so many people are misdiagnosed that is the you know and then just carry on on those kind of treatment plans or whatever for the wrong thing yeah
0: yeah it's definitely always kind of a, a small tragedy when, when people are led to believe that they've got something that they don't have, whether it's, you know, depression or whether it's ADHD, autism, whatever it might be. Yeah. You, you hear these stories of people being treated for something, well, even schizophrenia, when yeah. it turns out it's
1: some other mental health or something yeah, else. Yeah, or something, issue. or, you know, a brain tumor or something, you know, Yeah, that then they don't look for, you know, so, yeah, it is, mm. it is hard, but, you know keep going until you find the thing that works, you know, the the things that work for your kids, you know, and hmm. never give up. It will be a very hard, hard process. And, you know, I am so thankful that my parents spent so much time, money and driving me around so many different places to get, you know, hmm. like I uh, then I had um, my uh, dyslexia um, diagnosis came after the meds as well, but she gave me a verbal IQ test. And then I got all hurt from yeah. that. I was given automatic membership to Mensa. Up until this point, oh. everyone thought I was thick as two short planks because I couldn't put it on the paper, you know, and she was instrumental in then going, right, okay, so what you need is to get in the laptop. And this thought, so he's not having to deal with the writing where it's both the coordination and the dyslexia and all the rest of it. And you've got spell check on the laptop and things like that. you know. So hmm. I used the laptop throughout all of my education afterwards. And that was instrumental in, you know, being able, you know, made such a difference because, you know, poorly spelt, barely legible, you know, just gets written off. So, but nice typed out and printed, you know, Mm -hmm. sheet of paper with then being run through spell check is just a world of difference, you know.
0: Yeah. I guess the education system's come so far since then as well to accept and understand these
1: things. Yeah. And then then when I moved up to Cranbrook School as well, they had um, a special needs support system there. I went to once a week and they worked on, they were fantastic, and grammar School is a fantastic school, you know, um, mm. and really was, you know, the change. So even though, it, you know, uh, I was, I wasn't doing well at the Harvey because of all the bullying and all the rest of it, and yeah, I was depressions, and all the, I was just making myself ill just so that I didn't mm. go, so I wouldn't have to go to school to, you know, face it all, and all the rest of right. it, and you came up here, and it was fantastic, and it was just, you know, they really went out of the way. They had a zero tolerance on bullying and all the rest of it. You know, they didn't. The school was based. The Harvey was just trying to sweep it all under the rug. They didn't want to say. You know, they didn't want to accept that anything was going on. Cranbrook were always very proactive about it and great. And you know, work with the you know special needs people and all the rest of it to get it. And you mm. know, and I got them good grades <laughs> as a result. You know, <laughs> uh, to help their league tables and all the rest of it. But yeah, yeah. it's it's find the right people as well. You know. That, that yep. those people that care that will help you is so important
0: absolutely yeah definitely see that whether it's uh, mental health or actual like physical health definitely helps to be seeing the right people so Mark last question for you then I'll let you go if you could do anything and know you wouldn't fail what would
1: you do? work at Rockstar Games work at Rockstar Games <laughs> because of the and not fail because I don't want to be the <laughs> yeah. person who made the trees in GTA 4 I'm not sure if you can remember, okay. but like, GTA 4 was fantastic. <laughs> the trees were just off. And I, I, I'm not skilled enough. My skill set like doesn't overlap with Rockstar Games. It's different languages and things like that, you know, and yeah. game development. But yeah, that would be the my ideal job if I knew I could do it and do it to a, the standard that it deserves. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, that is, you know, they are the, I think you got to say the highest quality game studio out there the games that they produce yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to, to argue. the, yeah. you know, because their worlds are built by hand, you know, however massive mm. they are, everything, you know, they have committees where you have to justify, you get a square of land and you have to justify the placement of every rock or tree or whatever mm. is in that <laughs> bit of, you know, bit of the world that you're responsible for, you know, and uh, they take six mm. years to make games, you know, as opposed to other people's two or three and, but then they, they make the, Huge money is when they come out. But yeah, no. I am yeah. not skilled enough to do that. But if I if I if I magically was, that would obviously be the yeah the the job that I'd love to do.
0: That was one of the things that I always said about the whole like overtime and crunch with, with Rockstar and Red Dead Two is when your name's on that masterpiece in the credits. Yeah. I think that everyone kind of knew what they were signing up for. Whether you believe that it's okay to work people
1: that hard or not, it's kind of a different issue. I, I mean think. I have I have, in my current job, I have done crunch to the level of video game development on certain Mm. things. There was times when I was, you know, deliver certain things. I was working, you know, nearly 60, 60, 70 hours a week or months to deliver a key project. You know, in any program field, I think, I know a lot of people talk about video games and the rest of it, but you will find in a lot of programming and things like that, there are deadlines and the things and you go through crunch. I don't think necessarily it's, Often quite as can be quite as long as games can be. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's probably yeah. the out thing. But it, it's finding a yeah. good work life balance, and you know, I work with my bosses. You know, and and we change things, and you know, got back to a uh, to a decent you know thing, and now hmm. and all the rest of it. But I, I think yeah, it's kind of got to be. You've got to speak up and look out for your health. It's not healthy, it will screw. It yeah. will have a huge detriment to you I, I saw it myself and you know yeah you gotta know your limits when i was going through it you gotta know your limits and it, you just lose all life you because you are literally only working and sleeping so yeah
0: thanks mark it's uh it's been great to hear your story and thank you for mm-hmm. opening up and being so i guess honest and mm-hmm. earnest about your experiences yeah. i think that hopefully yeah there are people out there that maybe they've had a similar experience or it, it speaks to People yeah. that they knew growing up, maybe it explains why that kid in class was the way they were, you know?
1: Yeah, I am always, you know, I don't shy away from the dark stuff. But, yeah, I do like to try and live my life out there and, like, talk to people about it, even the very difficult things in my life and all the rest of it, because if, if it can just help one person you know mm-hmm. improve I, I you know I think that's that's well worth doing and thankfully a lot of time and all the rest has passed with me now so that you know I'm not so, you know it's not so painful to bring up these things and all the rest of it so yeah hopefully I am um, you know inspired some people or helped some people or gave some people a different change of opinion on you know kids or whatever
0: ever yeah very good all right well thanks again for coming on cool thank you so much for listening and thanks to audio technica of course you can catch mark on twitter at the indie boy one that's i-n-d-i-e number one say hello and of course you can support this podcast with an itunes rating and review to get the word out there help out with the algorithms and then head over to patreon.com slash we are 8-bit to support this podcast as part of the 8-bit collective from as little as $1 a month can take part in our swag giveaways, access to the fortnightly 8-bit cast, and help bring the Comedy Rewind podcast to life. As always, you can catch me on social media at Johnny himself, and until next week, keep putting in work.